1: Not just
0: that they won't allow the CDC into the country; they also have kicked out reporters from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. That's the hallmark of a communist government that is trying to cover up the biggest story in the world. That
1: was Senator Tom Cotton, and he summed up pretty well, I think, in just a few seconds there, uh, the trouble that we have with Red China, communist Red China, and of course the problem that he's talking about is. Uh, He's talking about the Wuhan China virus being spread in the country. And certainly, I don't need to explain that. We've been living it. The point of starting with Tom's uh, quote is that we have a serious problem in this world, and much of it traces back to an ideology that our next guest is an expert on. Uh, You've heard Trevor speak, probably, you've heard him speak on radio or seen him on television, or you've seen him speak in person because he travels around the country speaking uh, but Trevor Loudon is an author, he's a filmmaker, he's a public speaker, he is from Christchurch, New Zealand, and uh, for more than 30 years he has researched the uh, Marxist and terrorist movements uh, in uh, around the world, and, and now specifically in this country. Uh, Trevor has produced a documentary called Enemies Within, which was powerful, and we're going to actually touch on an update on that. Uh, also, uh, he has he's the one who discovered that relationship between the Hawaiian Communist Party and Barack Obama's mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, which I was talking about that long before I ever was at this microphone with you in this audience. But uh, it was Trevor who discovered that. And I could go on and on. Uh, Trevor has written books. He has a new piece actually out right now called A New Zealander's Nine Starter Steps for Saving America from Socialism. And Trevor joins me today in the studio. Hi, Trevor.
2: Hi, Look, Thanks for having me on, Sandy. It's great to be here.
1: You know Trevor before we start uh, I I do want to make this little personal because I remember I remember when I met you. You don't have to remember this but I do. We were at a meeting on 10th Street in DC and I heard you present and I was so impressed and so my friend Mariam and I asked you to go to lunch with us. We went to a hotel across the street and we had a we just had a great conversation. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed everything about your personality and I thought your information was incredible. But you were still a New Zealander then. You lived in New Zealand and you had just flown in. I don't know why. Why had you flown in?
2: Look, for, for, for several years, I was coming to New, America regularly from New Zealand to tour. I'd speak to Tea Party groups, Republican groups, church groups all around the country. I've only been living here permanently about the last five years.
1: Yeah. Yes, so I've just watched you change and grow, and, and also your interests vary. I mean, the the theme is the same. You know, you have a real sense of truth and uh, of exposing stuff like communism. Uh, but the interesting part of the story to me, and it's not we've discussed this many times before, but this audience wouldn't know this. You, it's, it's such a part of your ancient history here. I had no idea that New Zealand was a hotbed of communism. Explain that.
2: Well, look, this re- what really fired me back up was in the 80s. See, see, New Zealand was saved by America during World War II. You know, it was, your, it was your uncles and fathers and grandfathers who stopped the Japanese invasion of the Pacific at Midway and the Guadalcanal, et cetera. So there's a, a real deep gratitude to America and New Zealand. But in the 1980s, uh, we elected a socialist Labour government and they banned nuclear warships from our harbours. And that, yeah, as, as the Americans were the only people sending nuclear warships into our harbours, that destroyed the Australia-New Zealand-United States military alliance. And I was pretty upset about that, and uh, I did research. I interviewed a man who had been a, a top-ranking um, government spy inside the New Zealand Communist Party, and he told me the story of going to Moscow in October 1983 and working with the Soviet Officials to plan New Zealand's anti-nuclear policies. It was all done from Moscow, and and one, not one, hardly a, a New Zealander in five million would have any idea of that.
1: We have to say, for the purpose of of under people understanding, because people now are young, Trevor. They wouldn't know the things that you and I take for granted that Russia was our number one enemy on things nuclear, all things nuclear. So this was a huge battle during the Cold War standoff between the United States and Russia. That's why that's so significant.
2: Yeah. See, see in in the eighties you had the, the, the Soviets were trying to disband NATO, the North American treaty organization, which was the Western European countries allied to America, standing up against Soviet aggression. And so, they were, they were trying to disband NATO so they could take complete control of Europe, which they're now trying to do in the Ukraine. But um, And so Reagan was standing strong. So in, what they did is they picked on New Zealand. They thought if we can take New Zealand out of the Western alliance, that will encourage the peace radicals, the peace yes. movement in Europe to break up NATO. So they were playing chess. They were blocked in Europe so they... They went to the Pacific and took us out of the alliance there. And the plan was that that would encourage the destruction of NATO and Europe and they would dominate Europe as part of their goal of world domination. So it was a big deal. New Zealand was a very important chess piece in the global, uh, the global confrontation between the Soviet Union and the United States.
1: So you're watching this happen, and as a New Zealander who loved his country, you could see because, because of your understanding what was happening. Mm. I'm going to fast forward. This is probably something I would have talked about more toward the end, but let's kind of bypass all of our China discussion for a second and go to China's influence in New Zealand and Australia right now.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, in Australia, the prime minister there is, is very much standing up against China. This, Scott Morrison is doing a great job. And he would have done an even greater job if Trump had still been in the White House. But in New Zealand, we have pretty much surrendered to the Chinese. The conservative party—they've—they've bought a lot of control through business. The left-wing party, which is in power, the Labour Party, are uh, headed by Jacinda Ardern, who was a who was a the head of the International Socialist Youth about ten years ago. She's a Marxist, and so. She has allowed massive Chinese influence in our government. That so recently, um, the Five Eyes—Canada, Britain, um, United States, Australia—have released statements condemning um, China's treatment of minorities, the Uyghurs, etc. New Zealand won't do that because New Zealand is so compromised by China that they would rather suck up to China. Then stand by America's stand by their allies.
1: Is there a, a strong strain of conservatism and fight back in New Zealand, or is it gone?
2: Well, no. There, there is there is definitely a conservative strain there, but it's it's never been as big as say New Zealand as in America, for instance. It is there, but pro- the problem is our conservative political party is in bed with China. They have <laughs> been born out. They. they China will come in, and when these people retire from parliament, they'll put them on the board of Chinese banks, for instance, or Chinese companies. They buy them off. And so the Conservative Party was found that one of their members of parliament a who had been born in China had been an instructor at the Chinese spy school. So he was a Chinese spy serving in the New Zealand parliament. The leader of the Conservative Party said, that's all right. It's just like he'd been a spy in our intelligence service. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it's compromised. He's gone now, but it took three or four years to get rid of him. So that that's the Conservatives. The Labour Party is completely in bed with the Chinese.
1: You know, Trevor, the, as I hear you speak, I mean, and I cover this often, China, you know I remember I'm old enough to know when richard Nixon you know went to China and opened it up. It was a very big deal, and China had been shut off to us for years They didn't have they didn't they weren't other places they were they were sticking to their mainland uh, yeah in their communist world and they were shut off for the rest of the world. I have to say I never um the whole idea that China has this plan to conquer the world, and they do, I know they do, the military Absolutely. does. And the military's been working on it for years. But do you have any idea? You know, the Chinese think so long their their plans, because they've been around for so many uh, centuries, was did was this something that came to be during the eighties, this plan to go outside of their culture and conquer?
2: This this started in nineteen forty nine when they took over. You know, See, we, we opened up to China in the 70s. America opened up to China. You know, Kissinger, who is now leading a major, who, who recently, a few years ago, started a major Chinese propaganda front in this country, the Committee of 100, sold Nixon on the idea, this brilliant idea. Let's export all of our big industries from the Midwest. Let's put all of our people out of work, send our industry to the Midwest, We'll use Chinese cheap labor, we'll get really, really rich, and we will um, make China our friend. All we've done is destroy our own industry and build our worst enemy.
1: That is totally true. That's
2: all we've done. That was Nick Nick Kissinger, and Kissinger scammed us.
1: I I didn't know it was Kissinger that that came from. I did not know that.
2: Yeah, absolutely it was. And he is the founder of the Committee of 100, which is now Communist China's biggest propaganda operation in the country.
1: You know what people don't know too, just because um, he was a rock star when he was serving in the Reagan White House, and even for a, dec- a decade or so after mm. that, he was as big as what? Who's a rock star now? Who who do we see everywhere? I guess President Trump, in a way, or but mm. but he was popular, uh, and he was a, his love life was explored, and he was a very unlikely famous lover. Well, I saw him at right. Reagan Airport uh, a couple of years ago, and he's about four feet eleven. I don't know. He look, he was so small, walking down the... uh, And he was very friendly. I went up and talked to him. uh, But uh, he was a force, a force in Western culture.
2: Look, he was for a long time. But he will go down in history as one of the biggest fools or the greatest traitors in American history because he has built an enemy that could destroy us.
1: He should have some competition now, I'm thinking, Trevor, in terms of traitors. uh, Because uh, one of the things that you've been tracing... Uh, and, and in fact, in your in your movie, you did enemies within. You traced this, but now it's gotten worse. And that is the communist influence. Speaking of New Zealand, let's talk about the United States. What can we say about the com- communist infiltration into our government? Well, right uh, into our Congress.
2: Right now, we are living in the the Harris Obama China administration. John John Ratcliffe, who was Trump's intelligence advisor, said a while back. He said. The communist Chinese have blackmailed or co-opted so many American congressmen, they can now determine which legislation passes Congress and which doesn't. That should give you an indication. You know, when, Nancy Polo- when recently Eric Swalwell, um, the congressman from California, was caught exposed as sleeping with a Chinese communist spy who helped to get him elected He now serves on the Intelligence Committee, right? Nancy Pelosi, despite all of that, refuses to take him off the Intelligence Committee. Because Nancy Pelosi has a very extensive communist background. There's at least 100 members of the U.S. House who are so enmeshed in communism, uh, Islamism, working with the Chinese, the Cubans, the local communists, they couldn't pass a background check to drive a school bus.
1: I remember when Alan West, Colonel Alan West, former congressman of Texas, yeah, yeah. Uh, started talking about that when he got elected, mm, mm. about how many communists were in the Black uh, Congressional Caucus and others? That, yeah. And the blowback was incredible.
2: Well, that, that's oh, right.
1: Listen to that music. We have to stop for a second. Um, yeah, so you have to answer that. You have to respond to that on the other side. Yeah. My um, guess is Trevor Loudon, and again, his article is a New Zealanders' Nine Starter Steps for saving america from socialism we'll put that link on our website or on our facebook page so that you can read it facebook don't say it i know uh, But uh, anyway for, mo- for the moment it's on facebook yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we'd love for you to read it so uh, stay tuned we have a lot more to talk we have so much to talk about it'll be like what does it they say it's like putting 10 pounds of sausage in a five pound bag that's what we're trying to do today but we're going to try to do it as effectively as we possibly can stay tuned sandy rios in the morning on afr talk
0: See Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. the Swalwell case is so interesting because, you know, he uh, just refuses to publicly declare uh, exactly what the nature of the relationship was. And that's not just sort of engaging in tabloid journalism. It's very important because he could be compromised. And as a member of the intelligence committee, uh, you know, the intelligence world is very compartmentalized. People have certain areas they're responsible for. If you're on the House Intelligence Committee, you have access to all of it. Um, and here's the problem, Maria. Uh, Eric Swalwell has his issues, but it's Nancy Pelosi that uh, reappointed him to the House Intel Committee. Look at Nancy Pelosi's history. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was was actually very anti-Beijing uh, for a long time, and then her husband, Paul Pelosi, started securing major deals in Beijing. She's become a lot softer since the late uh, 2000s, around 2008. A lot softer. Um, look at the experience we've had in the past, Dianne Feinstein, while a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee and as chairman of the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee, her husband, Richard Blum, was in Beijing doing major deals with Chinese state-owned enterprises that have made that family very, very wealthy. So the notion that you can sit on these intelligence committees and we're not going to look at any sort of entangling relationships, you know, is, is patently ridiculous.
1: All right, that was Peter Schweitzer, who's tracking, of course, has been tracking for a long time, uh, the ties between China, all the corruption. He's uh, written several books. But uh, my guest is Trevor Loudon, also an expert on this. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts about what he just said. And I'm sure you know more than he was able to get in that soundbite.
2: Look, he's absolutely right. You know, both Pelosi and um, Feinstein, A, they both have extensive communist histories personally going back to the 60s, even the 50s in the case of um, Feinstein, but they have both made lots and lots of money trading with China. And, and so Diane Feinstein was also revealed to have a Chinese spy on her staff for 20 years. Now, she said he was her driver. Yes, right. He wasn't her driver. He was her office manager. He was her highest-paid staff member. He was getting access to Department of Defence documents. And he, was, and, and he was on her staff 20 years. The man was a known communist. Anybody in San Francisco would have known that Russell Lowe had an extensive communist background. But that didn't stop Dianne Feinstein employing him for 20 years. But this is endemic.
1: Trevor, let me. And I have a follow up question on that because I tried to find information on Nancy Pelosi several years ago. Because I, I, because I've been doing this for a long time, and it, I thought to myself, there's something here. There's a background here, but I couldn't find it. I looked all over. I did. I looked um, to try to figure out. All you can find out is her dad was what a congressman or a businessman. Very
2: Alessandra. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And all, but just the, the the surface. I thought there's something. There's a reason for her rise to power. There's a reason for her her leftist views, they've got to come from somewhere. So yeah. what do you know about her past? That i
2: Well, even her father, D'Alessandro, who was a congressman and mayor of Baltimore for a while, he was connected to some communist fronts. Okay, that's been revealed in his FBI file. But Nancy Pelosi, when she came to San Francisco, very hooked up with the Hallinan family. That's a very well-known communist family in, in San Francisco, um, the father went to jail uh, in the fifties for tax fraud, but before that he'd been a leader of the Progressive Party, which was communist. They had about five sons, four of whom, whom were communist party members, and so and and Nancy was very close to the matriarch of the family, Vivian Hallinan. She was also very close to Carlton Goodlett, a very well-known communist party member in the Bay Area who won the Lenin Prize. He was a newspaper publisher, and he. Nancy Pelosi moved in exactly the same communist circles that Willie Brown the mayor of San Francisco came from, the lover of Kamala Harris, and the same communist circles that Diane Feinstein used to circulate in for since the 50s.
1: Now it's interesting because I the part other part that made me suspicious is that I couldn't find much about Nancy Pelosi, because a lot of those things, you, they're just not easy to find, Trevor, yeah. unless you know exactly where to look, which has been your your business. You've been doing yeah. this for years.
2: Well, I, I look through the Communist Party literature right back in libraries, and that's where you'll find it. That's where you find the connections.
1: Peter goes across the aisle to Republicans, at least yep. briefly, and I want to play a clip. Uh, this is short, but he talks about another high-level um Republican who has been involved with the Chinese. I'd love to know your thoughts about this. This is clip two.
0: Um, and then looking across the aisle, uh, you have the, the situation with Mitch McConnell and Elaine Chao, uh, his wife. Uh, Elaine Chao uh, and uh, her family uh, have a company called the Foremost Shipping Group. Uh, they have deep long ties with the Chinese government. Um, The Chinese government builds their ships for them, for the shipping company, they finance the construction of those ships, they provide the crews and they provide the contracts. And to show you how this goes down, in 2017, as Donald Trump was sort of cranking up some very serious hardline policies against China that I believe were necessary, what did Beijing do? They signed a series of deals with Elaine Chow's family in 2017 to build a total of 10 massive bulk cargo ships. We don't know the terms of the deal in terms of the full amount, but the ships that they were building for the Chow family are $47 million a piece. So you're talking about the family of the U.S. Senate leader and the then transportation secretary, their family getting a multi-hundred million dollar deal from Beijing just as things are coming to, uh, to a head on Capitol Hill. Wow. That's extremely disturbing and you can't ignore it.
1: Now, before you respond, Trevor, to that, I want you to. Lots of people did business in China. China's been open to us. We thought they were our friend. We were told that if we did business with them, we would neutralize their, you know, whatever uh, bad things they might want to do because they'd be in bed with us financially and they wouldn't want to hurt us. You know, you heard it, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people invested in China. Are they communists?
2: No, but look, this is what I would say. Investing, Investing in China, particularly now, is like investing in Nazi Germany in 1938. What you're doing is building an enemy that will destroy us. Now we've got – now China is – you know, as you said in the 70s, China couldn't even threaten the Philippines. China couldn't threaten anybody. Now it's a major world power. The scam that we were sold by, by Kissinger was that if we engaged with China and and invested there, they would become more democratic. They would come become like us. That is exactly the opposite of what's happened, and that was completely predictable. People, people need to understand communism. Just because a communist country has a free market and does business doesn't mean it's abandoned communism. the the, communists, the Chinese will acknowledge they made a mistake. They tried to go from feudalism straight to socialism, bypassing capitalism. Marx said you had to go from feudalism to capitalism to socialism. So they acknowledged they made a mistake, so they've gone back to capitalism. Now they're back on the socialist road, and they're ready to strike out and basically dominate the world. That's their plan. And Kissinger and all That's these American business businesses inadvert, well, the businesses inadvertently enabled that.
1: Would you make a distinction between Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris, who we'll get to, I want to, uh, uh, and Barack Obama, who had direct associations with communists, and a Mitch McConnell and Elaine Chao?
2: Well, look, see, as I said before, in New Zealand, they've got the left, the, the Chinese communists have, have got the left through ideology. They're sympathetic to socialism. The, in New Zealand, they've got the National Party, the Conservatives, through business. So that's what they yeah. do here. Mitch McConnell was not a communist, but he's willing to, yeah. de- to make money off a communist regime. He's willing to sell out his own country to make money.
1: Yes, and just to be clear, I think that's just as bad. I don't make a distinction, either, but I just – there is a distinction, but it's not – doesn't mean good or, good or one's yeah. good and one's bad.
2: Well, actually, <laughs> I, I actually respect somebody who sells out their own country through ideology, more than <laughs> oh, I respect yes. somebody who sells out their country for Just money. Just for money, not that I like either. Yeah, but one is slightly morally superior to the other.
1: Trevor, uh, to to wrap it up on Congress, you estimate? I think you said around fifty percent in in both chambers are communist. No,
2: no about nope. twenty about twenty five percent. Okay, communist okay. communist sympathetic, working with enemies of America. I'd say 25% of each body couldn't pass any form of basic background check. Yeah. They would have no chance. Yeah, and they didn't have to. But there are no no security clearances in Congress. There's no background checks at all.
1: You know, uh, this is not Congress. This is the White House. But when Barack Obama was elected, my husband's former FBI, so – all of the background checks that they meticulously did for people to work in the White House were just thrown out the window. Yeah. And so that brings me to the White House, the current White House. Communist influence there. I remember Barack Obama had his little Mao Zedong ornament on their Christmas tree and his, the girl, whatever her name was, who said Mao was her favorite philosopher, one of his staff, one yeah. of his people on staff. So, But now we have Joe Biden. Communists anywhere around there?
2: Absolutely. Look, Joe, in my book, White House Reds, my latest book, I exposed it. Joe Biden had a 20, has a 40-year a history with a group called the Council for a Livable World. That was set up by a Soviet agent to recruit senators that would work to destroy the U.S. military, work to weaken the U.S. military to the advantage of the Soviet Union and to negotiate horrible treaties. With the so that gave the, the Russians or Soviets an advantage. Joe Biden was put in Senate, the Senate by these people, a Soviet front. He was one. He has been the, one of the biggest enemies of the U.S. military since. In my uh, 2016 movie "Enemies Within," I've got a clip from Joe Biden at the Council for a Livable World's 50th anniversary. You were there with me the whole way. You helped me get elected. You stood with me when I was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You helped Obama and I negotiate the START treaty with Russia, the treaty that was so bad for America and so good for Putin that Trump had to unilaterally cancel it. And now Biden is reinstating. Joe Biden has worked in the interests of the Russians, the Iranians, and latterly the Chinese for his entire political career.
1: So when Bob Gates said... When he was the, uh, jo- uh, the national security advisor for President Biden, he said that Joe Biden was wrong on every national security yeah. issue. Maybe he wasn't just dumb like we thought.
2: No, no. He, he was w- he acting
1: was, out on, a, on something that was consistent, consistently he w- hurtful. He has
2: consistently us. worked in the interests of Moscow and Beijing and Tehran his entire life. The big danger with his presidency is he is going to destroy what's left of the U.S. military. And that will enable China and Russia to rule this world. That's what Joe Biden will do.
1: He's already doing that, Trevor. I just talked about it last week, with opening the floodgates to transgender persons to enter the military, offering to pay for their surgeries, their hormone treatments, letting them not work while they have to be time off for these surgeries. And at the same time, putting women on the front lines of combat, adjusting the suits for their physiology, just bizarre.
2: Well, he's right now he's purging conservatives from the military. Yes, and that too, yes. You know, Christians, conservative Trump supporters are being purged. The Green New Deal, which he is going to adopt, that is completely designed to wreck the U.S. economy and the U.S. military budget. That's what it's for. That comes out of the communist movement, and Joe Biden's going to implement that. If he is allowed to do what he wants to do, we will have no significant military in four years' time, and Russia and China will rule this planet.
1: And so uh, Joe Biden might not live too much longer, Trevor, or be capable of even standing up and muttering any words, although or, or I, think he's more, I think I'm seeing more cognizance in him than I thought possible. I see the old Joe has not left. Mm. He's cunning. He's a liar. Uh, he's, he's certainly aware enough to be the same really incorrigible character that he was. But he may leave us, and then we'll have Kamala Harris say about talk about her.
2: Well, Kamala Harris is a red diaper baby. Her parents were both uh, far leftists. Her father was an open Marxist. Her parents were part of a group that became the Black Panther Party, the, the pro-Chinese terrorist group that killed 40 policemen during her career. Um, Kamala Harris has worked with pro-Chinese communists her entire career. Um, she was... Um, she was a student radical at Howard University. She then she hooked up with Willie Brown in San Francisco. Yeah,
1: like really did hook up with him. That and yeah. that
2: was a big scandal because yes. she was 29, he was 60. Yes. But the real scandal was that Willie Brown was and remains a communist sympathizer. He was still endorsing communist party events five years after his affair with Kamala. But the big influence on Kamala Harris is a woman called, is a man called Steve Phillips from San Francisco. He was a Marxist associated with the League of Revolutionary Struggle, a pro-Chinese communist group at Stanford. He worked very closely with another student Marxist student radical, a woman called Maya Harris. That's Kamala's sister. So um, Steve Phillips left Stanford. He married into the Sandler family of San Francisco, Golden West Savings and Loan Fortune. And with $2.2 billion to play around with, He bought himself massive access into the Democratic Party. Steve Phillips was the man who got uh, Barack Obama ahead of Hillary Clinton in the 2008 primaries. Steve Phillips is the man who uh, was behind Andrew Gillum, who almost won the governorship of Florida, and um, Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey, and Stacey Abrams from, from Georgia. But he's the man behind Kamala Harris.
1: Fascinating, and then her ties to Black Lives Matter something we should talk about yes, also, yes. Trevor. But there's there's the music. My guest again is Trevor Loudon. See, how did I not even know about your book, White House Reds? Where have I been? All right, so Trevor's new book is White House Reds, yep. and I'm assuming they can read all of these things that we're talking about and then pass them on, which uh, this is what we're hoping that you will do because knowledge is the one thing. Well, we have to know what we we have to know what we're dealing with in order to know how to deal with it. So. I would just start with that. Trevor Loudon, my guest, Sandy Rios, in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I think that the criticism is helpful. Um, I also
1: think that it might um, I think of a lot of things.
0: The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists and um, We are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories.
1: That was Patrice Cullors. Uh, She's talking about her pal Alicia, who helped found Black Lives Matter. Trevor, when we first met, uh, even I remember this, you used to talk about communists a lot. And even though I grew up, you have to know that, I grew up during the Cold War and communism was very familiar to me, but we went through a period of time where we couldn't hardly say that because people would mm. dismiss us. It was like a, a fringe view that communism was driving a lot of this. But now as we're talking, it occurs to me that things have come full circle. People yep. are now understanding that yes, they never went away and they've made tremendous strides. But let's so so they she openly says the founder of Black Lives Matter, we are trained. Marxists. I mean, who admits that publicly? But anyway, talk about them and their connection to Kamala.
2: Well, look, um, Patrice Kalour's Opal Tometi, Alicia Gaza are all affiliated with the Liberation Road Communist Group. That's the main pro Chinese communist group in the country. Now, Alicia Gaza, the real founder of Black Lives Matter, um, is very closely connected to the Chinese Progressive Association of San Francisco. That's the main Chinese front group in San Francisco. She's, very, she's a long-time friend of Alex Tom, who was the president of that group. And, and basically what happens is Black Lives Matter is run by a group called Asians for Black Lives, which Alex Tom was the leader of. Alex Tom liaises extensively. I've got him on tape admitting this with the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. This is a, Black Lives Matter is a communist Chinese operation. So Alicia Gaza is also very close friends with a young radical from the Bay Area called Latifa Simon. She's now head of the Bay Area Rapid Transit um, organization. How she got there, she used to hang around with a, a group called Standing Together to organize a revolutionary movement, STORM, a Maoist communist group made famous by Obama's green job czar, uh, Van Jones. He was part of STORM. Latifah Simon got from being a young radical to where she is now because she was mentored by Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris and Alicia Garza and Latifah Simon are buddies. Kamala Harris is the Black Lives Matter candidate. She is completely in bed with Black Lives Matter, which is a Chinese operation. So, and and you got. Republicans taking a knee to these people. You've got churches taking a knee to these pro Chinese communists.
1: It's, you know, I think one fact that, if you were skeptical, the fact that Kamala rose to the power that she has now in the weird way she did that, like she was the worst candidate when yeah. she actually ran, no one liked her, and now she's the vice president. So you just, something's behind that. Yeah. Something's behind that, and yeah. you're explaining that.
2: Well, I, I, I was saying three years ago that Kamala would be the candidate, and I lost some steak dinners when she pulled out of the primary. <laughs> but see, what they had—this is what they had to do—because she flamed out; she wasn't popular. So, but Joe, so Bernie Sanders was going to get the nomination, and the only person that could stop Bernie Sanders because of the South Carolina primary was Joe Biden. So they used Joe Biden to take out Bernie because Bernie's too obviously communist. So that they could get Biden in and then the plan was for Biden to pick Harris as his VP and then Biden bows out and Harris becomes president. That was always the plan. The same people that gave you, Barack Obama and Stacey Abrams and Cory Booker and Andrew Gillum, the same pro-Chinese communists, gave you Kamala Harris.
1: So if Kamala Harris, when Kamala Harris takes the presidency... I don't – I can't think how she could be worse for this country than Joe Biden right now.
2: Well, look, Joe Biden wouldn't even know what he's signing. Joe Biden is in no way in control here. As I said before
1: – No, but he's, he's a figurehead who's doing just as much bad as she would do yeah. if she were actually understanding yeah. it.
2: Look, if, if Mao Tung was in the White House right now, he'd be doing exactly what Joe <laughs> exactly, Biden and Kamala exactly. Harris are doing. There would be no difference in policy.
1: Let's talk about, uh, let's go back to China. Uh, we could do, you know, 10 shows on China, but um, Trevor, at the same time that Joe Biden is gutting our military in the ways that we described, the Chinese are actually, you know, genetically altering their soldiers. They're gearing up for war. Absolutely. Uh, I, I even heard a report on One America News talking about how America cannot win in a war against China. I haven't heard anyone say that publicly. I've heard it whispered in D.C.
2: Look, that that's the way it is. And it wouldn't be just China. It will be China and Russia. You've got to understand that. They are allies.
1: Oh, That's and, interesting to me. Yeah. Well, they're, so they- they're,
2: they're both members of the – you know, China and Russia are members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. It's a political, military, economic alliance. They held the world's largest in history military exercise outside St. Petersburg two years ago. So, we, you know, if we're going to have trouble against China, we've got to realize it's China and Russia. That's why what President Trump was trying to do to rebuild the military was so absolutely yes. vital. Yeah. And uh, Joe Biden, as I've said, has worked in the interests of Moscow and Beijing, his entire political career is undoing that. This is existential that we're talking about here.
1: Yes, I think so too. And some of us saw that coming. Yeah. And uh, 80 million Americans saw that coming and they voted for President Trump. Uh, I always say yeah. when, when we I report these horrible things, I always say, Trevor, but, but there are no mean tweets. Aren't you glad?
2: Yeah. You know, well, when look, we have
1: this stuff, we're, we're look, losing our country, but there are no mean tweets yeah. to embarrass you. Aren't you glad? Well,
2: isn't that a great trade-off? Yeah, really. Isn't that fantastic? Really. You so, know, so that's what Americans have let themselves do. And this is not just America. If America goes down, The whole free will goes down.
1: Yes, I agree with you. All right. Well, the the Chinese, I was talking to Gordon Chang recently, and I couldn't quite comprehend why China was so focused on conquering America, other than economically. I understand that being the, you know, forgetting, doing away with the dollar as the world currency and all of that. But Gordon said that the Chinese actually want our land base. They want to displace us or actually eradicate us, eliminate us, and take what we have.
2: Look, there's a famous book, uh, Unrestricted Warfare, written in about 1999 by two Chinese colonels. And this was leaked to the West. And they openly say our job is to eliminate the population of North America so that we can move hundreds of millions of Chinese onto American soil. They, they know they have to because they can hardly feed their own people right now. They're in, they're in major trouble economically. They can only go out. And so they're putting everything into bringing down America. The COVID was deliberately done to destroy the president, the economy, and the military budget. Black Lives Matter burnt your cities. Um, they deliberately actively stole the election, right from having grassroots organizers on the ground doing voter registration right up to the computer stuff. And they are, they are killing 60,000 New your kids everywhere with fentanyl. They are buying your politicians, stealing your infrastructure. Um, they, are, they are at war with America, but America doesn't know it. And their objective is, as you say, not just to compete economically, but to eradicate the current population of America and replace it with theirs.
1: Yes, and the irony is um, we know of their brutality, uh, we know about what they're doing to the Uyghurs. We know that they're, re, you know, they're taking organs from live persons. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. We saw a video, as I know you did, Trevor, of them locking people in their own apartments during the COVID scare and, and burning the the apartments. I mean, they, they they do. There's nothing they won't do to further their ends. So why wouldn't they? But we're sort of like in a, we're like we are. I think I always view this as we're in the eye of the hurricane.
2: Like yeah, things yeah. are peaceful that's, right here, that's right. Yeah?
1: We can buy and sell and enjoy our homes and all of that. And this is we're in like the eye of the hurricane and but soon it's going to hit. Yeah. So, that that's
2: a very good analogy. We are in a very we're living in a very false sense of security here. Mm-hmm.
1: Trevor, uh, people are going to ask and rightfully so, what can they do? This is a very difficult discussion we're having. Why, is there anything that Americans can do who actually see and understand the truth?
2: Look, I, I wrote a, an article for the Epoch Times recently, and I urge everybody to read the Epoch Times. And I called too. it I called it Nine uh, New Zealanders' Nine Starter Steps for Saving America from Socialism. And I allowed out nine steps that we must immediately do, both on a personal level and a state level, to counter what is coming from Washington. You know, and that includes everything from well, the first step is facing reality. That's the first step, but I uh, include in there um, that we have to form a compact of free states. I mean, the thirty red states all have to band together and use the Tenth Amendment, which says the federal government serves at the pleasure of the states, not the other way around, and absolutely stand fast against all the horrible anti-constitutional dictates from, so, from Washington.
1: In other words, uh, uh, sorry, sorry clone, clone Rick DeSantis. Hey, he yeah, needs yeah. to be in all those uh, 29 other states. Well,
2: that's right. See, yeah. see already um, 20 states have written to Biden saying that if you come after our elections with your HR1, there'll be big consequences. You know, Biden recently told Rick DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, to close the restaurants in Florida. DeSantis said No. So Biden said, well, we might have to shut air travel down to Florida. Well, he could do that to Florida, but he couldn't do it to Florida and Texas and Arkansas and Missouri and um, Idaho and Montana and Indiana. So to get 30 states, a country within a country standing as a block against the federal government must be done. And then you can bring in the red counties of the blue states. That's 80% of America. Yes. I'm not talking secession. I'm talking a block standing place. together, yeah. standing on the 10th Amendment saying we will not, you will not take our guns. You will not take our religious liberties. You will not interfere in our elections. We will cooperate on constitutional matters only. Other than that, keep out of our states.
1: All
2: right, so that's point two. Well, that's uh, point three, I think. Okay. And the, and the other one, another, another one which is very important, is boycotts. Now, President Trump and I hope he's I think I hope he's read my article because he came out the other day calling for everybody, every MAGA person, eighty million people, to boycott Delta Airlines, the National Baseball League, um UPS, because these are the the companies that are going to boycott Georgia when Georgia says we're gonna have legitimate elections, we're gonna require voter ID. So eighty million MAGA people targeting certain country, certain companies, what I call treasonous companies. Yes. 80 million people, they will not survive that. We need to stand together, um, use our economic might to stand together and basically take these companies down, make the cancel culture go away. But also all of us need to be boycotting any product or service or investment that has anything to do with the Communist Party of China. You know, buying China, buying Communist Party of China now, investing in China is like investing in Nazi Germany in 1938. We're investing in our own destruction. And we have the power. Look, if Trump had got a second term, he would have done to the Communist Party of China what Reagan did to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. And what a benefit that would have been to the world. You know, a free China with all that enterprise, all that, initiative, all that culture, harnessed to the cause of good rather than evil. That's the tragedy of the last election. Oh, it
1: is. And just to put to put to flesh it out even more, uh, President Trump had put so many um, restrictions on trade with China and so many tariffs and all the rest of it that actually China's GDP was shrinking. Absolutely. They were in trouble economically. That's why they were desperate to get him out. Well, it's a very uh, – so they're going to have to get your article to hear those other four steps or so because we're –
2: Yeah. New Zealanders' nine starter steps for saving America from socialism.
1: We'll put that again on our Facebook page. And uh, Trevor's book is White House Reds. White House Reds. I don't need to explain that that would be an incredible read, however difficult. Uh, Trevor, it's just such a pleasure, and uh, how you have enriched my life and my knowledge base since I met you such a long time ago. Thank you for that.
2: Look, it's a Uh, real pleasure uh, um, being here. It's great. Great. Thanks for having me on, Sandy. My
1: my pleasure. All right. Well, have a a great day in spite of this news, and of course, uh, God is in control in many ways. I think of prophecy when I think of what we're talking about here, uh, the things that he said would happen, and that should give us kind of a reason to have faith, because our God is real. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. And uh, let's just see what happens. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.